0: That,
1: yes. Now, Bonnie, that is the point. Right. Hey, everybody. Mike Geary here with uh, my my dear friend, Bonnie Lewis, um, live from Austin, Texas. And as always, our ever faithful uh, producer, Tim Stafford, is here. Tim, say hello. 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 And the thing about Tim that I want to, all oh, this is uh, already interesting. Comment on, is how much so. So we asked Tim to put a song on, the last episode, and and I have to say, like, if you were just to ask me, and Bonnie, I know where you stand on this, so I know you're already on Tim's side, but if you were to just ask me in theory, like, do I like twangy music? Do I like those steel <laughs> guitars and that? I, I hate that stuff. Like I, it's a visceral, like, I don't know, it, like in, 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 when Jesus uses imagery of weeping and gnashing of teeth, this is what I think of. Um, I think <laughs> of that sort of music and, um, and yet I'm listening to Tim's song and I'm like, dude, this is, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm like, this is really good. This is, this is twangy, but with like a Pearl Jam sort of build to it. I mean, it was anthemic, baby. So well done. i <laughs> never... You. I never thought I and I listened to it twice and my wife was shocked. She's like, "What are you listening to? It's Tim Stafford, honey." So, and what's the name of the song?
2: Because it's your lead single. It was the lead single off of the the little album that I did with the inmates. With the inmates, yeah, the guys serving life without parole in Lancaster prison so it was so. like a johnny cash like a johnny cash like yes, yeah Tim. all the narratives were all the songs are based on narratives from men in the prison that i had been working with so that one song was called uh the longest line uh and then like the subtitle was daniel because the guy's name is daniel
1: dude okay that's way cooler than i'd ever originally imagined <laughs> how songs would be written so
0: seriously aren't you glad now you didn't say you didn't like it
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, seriously, Bonnie.
0: Bonnie, how's no, how's our dad.
1: favorite how's our favorite Bible translator?
0: Uh, she's doing. I don't know why I said she. <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm nice. Doing well,
1: just
0: trudging through. Yeah, um, you are. Yeah, but it's been good. It's been a lot of fun and a lot of work, but really great work. So that's cool.
1: I love it. Um, and when do you think you'll get Jesus in for a a signing?
0: I know that you know. It's funny. People are always like, "You have to sign my book." I'm like, "That's not going to happen to you because that's weird."
2: (laughs) Our president did it with the Bible, didn't he?
1: Yes. Yes. And and, as far as I know, nothing erupted in flames. So um, so Bonnie, so Bonnie, if you're new to the show, Bonnie has just been a friend of mine forever and ever and ever, and she's been on a lot of lot of episodes, um. And I adore her for many reasons, but um, one is she's just a great Bible scholar and thinker and um, an incredible preacher. Uh, and it, th- the last episode, we did a bit of a rant. Well, we There was no we. I guess I did a bit of a rant. <laughs> and Tim was being nice and encouraging that rant about uh, being a home for the spiritually homeless, that kind of idea. Right. And I was really nervous putting that sucker out just because, I don't know, I... I I don't know. I just was. And uh, the response was incredible in terms yeah. of the, I mean, in, in, in every platform, people really resonating with that idea. And our friend Aline that you know, Bonnie, um, she's like, well, what do you think you've been doing? You, you, you dork, you've, you've been building <laughs> wells. I mean, and, and why are you looking for a tribe? We're here. I'm yeah. like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, that, of course, that. Um, but I'm always looking for, for guides, you know, who are ahead of, of us. And that's where it gets, you know, it gets a little sketchy. And, uh, but, but I said something that was kind of a throwaway comment that, that, um, that people, I, I think, uh, wanted to hear more about. And that was the idea that Jesus is both inclusive and exclusive and, and that that's at the same time. And that doesn't. That doesn't fit well. <laughs> uh, those two words don't fit well in our sort of cultural narratives, right? So, and then Bonnie, you had a very interesting discussion in our Facebook uh, group, and you said something that I thought was was really funny. You were you were just kind of thinking aloud on Facebook as we do, yes. and you were shocked lightning hadn't struck, and so I was. I was curious, like, because you meant that, like you meant like there's something serious behind that. So what, what is that?
0: Yeah. So uh, my friend Jordan and I were discussing, I can't even remember. He asked a question about, I think, inclusivity and exclusivity. And like, at what point do we just let somebody live in our relationship? But then the Holy Spirit, we count on the Holy Spirit, which then got us into a discussion of what we think about the Bible. And it kind of trailed and meandered. And one of the things I said was even having this discussion about um, what we believe the Bible's role is or, you know, is it okay to be this way or that way or to think this way was that I was like, okay, look, I, we had this conversation and as far as I can tell, neither of us were struck by lightning. And I said that because I don't, and I'm trying to, I've been trying to trace back where that's come from and I don't necessarily know, but somehow... I have developed a theology that um, the Bible is more prescriptive than descriptive. So this view that the Bible is there to lead us towards obedience only Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. that's what God wants only. Mm -hmm. And so if you stray from that at all, you've been disobedient, which means you will, you need to be punished. Hmm. And... I know that sounds on the surface just like poor theology, but for me it really has embedded itself into my life. No,
1: that's a whole culture built around that too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's I don't actually believe like I don't want to believe that to be true. Yeah. So when we had, as we've discussed on here before, when we had our stillborn, yeah, that was one of the biggest things about it for me because I believed that we had the stillborn because I wasn't obedient enough
1: yeah, or
0: doing the right things enough. And what was difficult, I know. And what was difficult about that is that I really was kind of, but like in terms of I was doing the quiet times and doing the (laughs) thing, I had my masters for heaven's sakes, but it was also coincided with the same time that I really began to believe that women could be in ministry. Damn. And I know. And so it felt like, I stepped out here against what I had been taught. I had come to this new understanding of scripture around women and this awful thing happened to us. Hmm. So I had to go to a lot of therapy for that because because it was, and it was really this like catalyst into kind of dismantling a lot of poor theology that I had held and inherited. Um, And so... Mm -hmm. I thought that was gone, and this is something I shared with you, too, because I have really worked through it on both, like, an emotional, psychological, and theological level, and I thought that was really kind of had gone from me, but then when Rachel Held Evans died a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago, Mm -hmm. I was really um, struck by that. I was sad about that. Number one, she was a woman theologian Mm -hmm. that, regardless of if I agreed with everything she wrote, I respected the fact that she, like exegeted and, you know, did all these things that I do, or I want to do, um, that you don't always see from women in the church. So Mm -hmm. I really loved that about her. And I felt like in some ways in that regard, she was such a torchbearer. So to not have her there felt like a hole for me. Um, but it really brought up this fear that I had, that I realized I had, that was, I had the thought, Oh my gosh, this happened to her because she had stepped out and she had had some wrong beliefs like, or maybe she did, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not, Mm I don't know. I don't know all of her stances on anything, but, and so it really brought up this fear of like, when you step out and question things or wrestle with things or admit that you don't believe things or just be human about the whole thing,
1: Mm -hmm. you
0: put yourself at risk and God punishes you for that.
1: Oh my Lord. And and you know what's so funny? Initially, I would say, "Oh, boy, that's awful," and then I was thinking about it since our last conversation and going, "No, I believe the same thing. Yeah. I absolutely believe the same thing." Yeah. A- and um, I believe it. I believe it more for me rather than for other people.
0: Right. To- totally. Like I, I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if that happened to her for that reason. Right. But- if that would happen to me. And I would never say that about you or about anyone else. Cause I exactly. I don't, I don't know. But for right. me, I do believe that I, I, th- I thought I didn't, but I obviously still have that fear that yeah. if I do something like that, like you're saying for me personally, God's going to like come after me.
1: Yeah. No, no. And I, I like initially I was, I, I wanted to work through that. And then I'm like, no, I'm there too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm there too. You know, when, when. Um, and, and how much of that is the sort of traditional evangelical culture turning its back mm-hmm. um, and farewelling people versus... And so I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I know how toxic that is. And I know that, man, if that's what Jesus is like, I'll still follow and obey, but love is tough. You know, well, also fall
0: and obey, but just because, like, I'm scared now. <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> absolutely. Like that's
0: how I feel like, well, then we just better do it because. Yeah. So I, yeah. Don't, I don't. I don't want. I don't want that to be true, um, because I don't. I'm uncomfortable, honestly, with serving a God that's like that. But I also right. don't want it to be true because I want there to be more of Him. I want that to. Right. I want there to be a bigger picture. I, I don't want that to be true of God.
1: Right. 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 No, I'm with you. The the and, and there were no and there were no lack of opportunists to announce, you know, Rachel's death was the result of whatever. I know.
0: And it, it made me so angry because I like I said I don't believe that. Yeah. But it's something that's obviously rooted inside of me that rears its head whenever I have these conversations. But the irony of the whole thing is that when I am able to wrestle and I feel safe enough to do so, or I'm mm-hmm. able to say, Hey, I don't know if I believe this about mm-hmm. God or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It actually drives me deeper into mm-hmm. wisdom and obedience ultimately mm-hmm. versus if I base my life on the fear, I really don't look into anything because right. I'm Cause I that'll get I'll you find. in trouble. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly.
1: No. And that's, that's really good, Bonnie. And I, I don't know what to do with that other than Let's just sit in it as we process stuff. Yeah. But, but, but I'm with you. Like, I, I genuinely believe that. Not, not about mm-hmm. you, but about me. Right. And, yeah. um, and so I, when you raised that, I mean, like I said, initially, I just thought, oh, okay, well, let's process that. And I'm like, no, no, I'm there too. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified. Um, you know, our move to Ohio has been tough. And I'm just thinking, you know, well, it's because of this sin and this sin and this in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, God is, and, and maybe, maybe there's a disqualifying aspect, you know, it, at some point, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just, a, it's just an interesting thing. Um, so, so, and there's nothing to do with that, right? We can't right. slap a verse on that. Um, I
0: mean, you can, but it's not going to get you
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Um, and, and then, and then speaking of, of, you know, wrestling with Jesus, Man, there there is. I mean, I I I I spent some time just reading, not reading, not studying, but like like skimming through the gospels.
0: Right.
1: And um and looking for statements where Jesus seems exclusive. Um cuz you know, I have a whole bunch in my head, but I wanted to make sure I got a good breadth of of stuff and it was it was so interesting because I keep being forced personally in my journey. I keep being forced back into this ambiguity paradox tension of of and and it doesn't seem like I'm able to escape it with any integrity. Mm. And, and so what I mean is um like in, in Jewish as far as I know, you know as far as I can tell, in Hebrew thinking there's there's a and in, and in a lot of Eastern Uh, ways of thinking there's a there's the ability to hold two things that seem contradictory but to hold them together in tension right and to do that comfortably and for us um with our greek heritage uh we try to eliminate tension we try to eliminate paradox we try to eliminate mystery and um and so this is again one of those areas where um it's it's just got to be infinitely more complex than I want to make it. Cause the story I want to tell about Jesus is that Jesus was the most inclusive God in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he hated intolerance. He hated self-righteousness he hated, uh, all of those sorts of things. And yet when you get into the scriptures, you realize, well, it depends what we mean by those words. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as always. So, so here's what I want to do, Bonnie, tell me if this is okay. I, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about how Jesus was inclusive, okay. right? And because and, yep. I think he was inclusive in a very specific way mm-hmm. and with a very specific theological agenda. Would you agree with that? Yes, that he had I an would. agenda? So it's not yeah. j- would, would you say it's inclusive for inclusive sake, or do you think it was inclusive for some other, some other thing?
0: I think it was some other thing. I think Ooh. he had a much bigger picture.
1: Come on. Well, okay. Let me, <laughs> what? what? What picture?
0: Uh, I think he was trying, I mean, I think he disrupted and he subverted and he was inclusive in order to break down um, sort of like, for lack of a better phrase right now, but a bad theology or like misconceptions about who God was and to mm-hmm. reorient their understanding around this new covenant and new life.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so the reorienting, he called mm-hmm. repentance. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you be comfortable with that?
0: I would, I would be comfortable with saying that. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's not a word, you know, it's not a word we're throwing out every day. Um, yeah. so I, I, and I don't know if this is true. I would, I would, I would throw out, Jesus was teaching Israel how to be truly Israel. Okay. So the battle, so, and I don't know, again, and this is subject to revision. So t- tell me what you think of this, but the battle was for how Israel was to be Israel in the world. And so, so when Jesus saying things like "I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel," um, and he's using he's using language um, like in Matthew five of salt and light that was Israel language, but now he's applying it to his disciples. My, mm-hmm. and, and this isn't a very anti right sort of thing that that mm-hmm. Jesus's purpose was to renew Israel, right? The the first and foremost, his purpose was to renew Israel. So he was operating within Israel for the sake of Israel and the subverting and stuff he was doing, he was doing for the sake of renewal, right? So, so that's why John the Baptist's ministry is so emphasized in the gospels, right? Because what John was saying is that it's no longer enough to be ethnically Israel. Right. Uh, There's, there's something more, hence the demand for baptism of repentance, Mm -hmm. which would have offended some Jewish sensibilities. Are you are you with me so far?
0: Yes, I believe I am. I just want to make sure when you say renewal, you're meaning um not just go- like make it new, but um sort of redefine it. Yes. And in that sense, you're going to include more people and then repentance plays a role.
1: Yes. Okay. I wouldn't say redefine. I would say bring okay. it back to its original Purpose. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay. So I'd
1: go back. So so what Paul does in Galatians, right, is he goes back to Abraham, and says, "All right, this was the covenant, baby, um, was the outworking of Abraham, was the outworking of the Abrahamic covenant that that uh, the all nations will be blessed and the seed will come, and you know da, da 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 da." And so the way I understand it is that Israel had ceased being. So, so the the book I'm reading, and and if we we're lost in the weeds here, you know, just rebuke me. But uh, one of the books I'm reading is making this argument, and it's freaking I'm blowing my mind. It, it, it's it's saying something I've always understood that that the covenant wa- between Israel and Yahweh was couched in bridal terms, a bridal ceremony, but it was framed. In a suzerain, is that how you pronounce it? Suzerain vassal covenant, right? Which is very common in the ancient Near East. And the purpose, it was made by a greater party and a lesser party. Often once the lesser party was conquered. Uh, The stipulations were all given by the greater party. The lesser party, all they had, the lesser party had to do was just to agree uh, to follow those stipulations. And, um, And the purpose of, and this is the key part they bring. The purpose of a treaty like that in the ancient Near East was to expand the king's fame.
2: Mm.
1: Okay, so so the, the, the Israel did not have to keep its laws to be holy. Right. Israel was already holy in simple virtue of Yahweh saying, you are my treasured people. Okay. So, so holy according to the Waltons here is a status, not an objective, and it's a status that's given in relation, covenant relationship with Yahweh. Now, okay. I, this is coming to uh, ultimately to where we're, we're going, hopefully. But the idea is that the, the, the treaty existed um, for the sake of the king's reputation, right? So when Ezekiel, when Yahweh sends them and rebukes the nation, right, for their idolatry, right. they blasphemed his name. You know, that's, that's the, that ties into the whole emphasis of God's name. In the Old Testament, it's not, he's some cosmic egoist, but it's the idea that his covenant people were to bear his name and increase his reputation and fame and so on and so on and so on. Makes sense? A yes. little bit. Okay. Yep. Now, um, Israel, and this is an N.T. right point, Israel had ceased doing, had, had ceased fulfilling that purpose. There right. were no longer light to the Gentiles. There were no longer salt to the earth. And so Israel needed to be renewed in terms of its original vocation. So Adam as the son of God, right? He's called the son of God failed. Israel as the son of God failed. So Messiah comes now as the son of God who will succeed where both Adam and Israel had failed, right? Jesus undergoes the temptations of Israel. You know, he... um, he says no to temptations that Adam, you know, permitted, blah, 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 blah. And here comes Jesus and his goal is to renew Israel to its original Abrahamic purpose, which was salt and light to the nations, right? Mm-hmm. And to do that, what he begins to do is he calls the nation to repentance. Now, that was a loaded word back in the first century, uh, as, as we both know, because the Pharisees, that was the Pharisees agenda as well. The right. Pharisees, it was not a, a formal movement, Um, But it was definitely a a groundswell of laymen, the almost, uh, well, yeah, it was exclusively male. And who said that, listen, holiness means separation. Holiness, which is the intensification of purity laws, means we won't go into exile again. Holiness means we have to avoid unclean and stay clean, intensifying the purity laws. And that is how we renew Israel and get Rome dealt with. And you know, fulfill God's purpose for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Does this make sense? It, I'm,
0: tra- I'm totally tracking. Okay. I got you.
1: Okay. I got you because, um, <laughs> uh, so, so I would argue and this, uh, this comes from Marcus Borg that, that Jesus's program was still to call the nation to repentance in the okay. same way. In a different way and with a different understanding of what the Pharisees meant, but they didn't know that at first.
0: Right.
1: Um, But he did that instead of separation, like the the Pharisees did. he did it through association. Right. And so Jesus was scandalous in his associations with people in the name of holiness, whereas the Pharisees separated themselves from people in the name of holiness. And so that when we say that Jesus was inclusive towards a greater purpose, Mm -hmm. my thought is that the greater purpose? Was uh, that Jesus had been uh, he'd been undermining the the Pharisaic project. Now he undermines the Sadducee project too, differently, and he under, certainly undermines the Zealot project. But he's undermining the Pharisaic project by by not. By, by not respecting the, the oral tradition around their purity laws and the associated intensification of purity laws around just the whole nation of Israel instead of just for Levites and priests. And, and he does that scandalously through table fellowship, right? Eating meals right. with people. This is where you see Jesus' agenda more clearly than I think anywhere else. Right. And there's so many, I mean, I was looking, like I said, at the gospels and there's so many occasions when Jesus is eating with somebody and then there's, there's discussion and debate and you wonder how many times Jesus got asked back, you know, he says yes to every initial (laughs) invitation, but who
0: knows,
1: (laughs) who knows? All right. But I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going here. So the idea I would have is I'm totally with you on when we say that Jesus was inclusive, that's not just a big, warm bear hug for the sake of a big, warm bear hug. Right. I think Jesus had an agenda and that agenda, was, the agenda was the ulti- ultimately the renewal of Israel to its original purpose and the addition of the Gentiles into um, a no longer ethnically defined people. Israel, right. Right. So he was he was reframing Israel around himself. Right. right. And that was what was so scandalous. You didn't need the temple. He could forgive right. you. you. Need, right. You didn't need a priesthood to declare you clean because Jesus could declare you clean without the priesthood. I mean, blah, 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 blah. So, so what Jesus gets in trouble for is, is multifaceted, but at minimum, it's he is now operating as if the heaven and earth met in him mm-hmm. um, versus the temple. Yeah. All right. So, when I say, he, when we say Jesus is inclusive, I think there's the temptation to kind of read our modern sensibility and moral sensibility into that by saying, look at, look at Jesus reaching out to all the outcasts. Look at Jesus um, reaching the marginalized. Look at Jesus literally being good news to the poor. And all of that is true, man. Absolutely. He was, but, and this is the hook, you know, he was doing it though with the same, agenda which was to call the nation to repentance Mm. and i just what i can't get away from and and please correct me here bonnie or or whatever i just can't get away from the idea that yes his associating was unbelievably inclusive and yes his love was scandalous and yes he particularly had a heart for people on the margins and sexual sinners tax collectors no question about that Um, but it wasn't just to do it it was to do it um, so as to call the nation to repent. And so like you take you take Zacharias, Zacharias, you take Zacchaeus <laughs>
0: right
1: and and this is all stream of thought, Bonnie, please interrupt, jump in, whatever, but right So he calls Zacchaeus down from the tree, Zacchaeus, I mean Zacchaeus his all of his money was based on extortion and I mean brutal, brutal, he was oppressing and blah 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 blah. But what Jesus announces after Zacchaeus repents is that this man, Uh, is a son of Abraham, Mm -hmm. right? So Jesus is restoring, he's he's taking the identity markers about what it meant to be truly Jewish. And Mm -hmm. now he's building them around himself. Right. So the only thing that designates somebody as truly Jewish as part of the renewed Israel is faith and trust in him. Right. Right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, what do you think of all of this?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's a lot at once. Um, (laughs) It's a lot at once. So okay, let me just uh, ask a few questions and poke a few holes because I this poke is away. where I'm coming from. And Tim, I'd love to hear what you think too about it, but <clears throat> not okay, really, so Tim. That's, that's not fair. true, Tim. <laughs> I'm just sitting
2: in the back seat right now, listening to Mom and Dad talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here's you'll pick up weird phrases that will carry with you the rest of your life. Um, so okay, let's go back to um, if let's under the assumption everything you just said is true. <laughs> okay, that's where I'm starting from. Just because that'll right. be easier to poke holes. So, um, if that's true, and we are being inclusive for the sake of reorienting reorienting uh, Israel around himself, right? And he's calling to repentance here's where I have a hard time reconciling things. And maybe this has to do with what you said about holding two things in tension, okay? Come on now, yep. So if what I said before, and because the book that you read, um, which we should tell the readers because I don't think you mentioned the title, The Lost World of the Torah.
1: Lost World of the Torah, Blowing My Freaking Mind.
0: Okay, so I ordered it, but they gave me a Kindle sample. So to be fair, I've only read the sample. (laughs) Oh. But I want to address something that he said in there. And this goes to what we said about our idea about God punishing us. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. If the laws of the Old Testament and what Israel is called to was more of prescriptive versus descriptive prescriptive meaning you accept like you read the text and the object is to expect obedience descriptive that you're expecting comprehension as a response right wisdom would be more of the goal there right so if that is true too then i have a hard time understanding where repentance fits in
1: so what i'm saying
0: is is that if because I do believe that to be true. I don't think, like, one of the things, one of the arguments that Walton makes is that we often take our, like you just said, our own understanding, understandings of, like, moralism and even mm-hmm. law and even, mm-hmm. like, how we go about all of those things, and we put it onto the text. Right. So, if that's not even there, if our Western American understanding is not even there. Oh, this so, is so good. Like, Old Testament is more for the purpose of wisdom. And like right? you said, to display God's name. Right. And to expand his uh, fame, then my my I have trouble then understanding about repentance. Yes. Especially then, as it turns into what is it that he wants people to repent from? Um. In the New Testament, because here's the other problem with that is (laughs) if you I have just gotten reading Walton too. Walton and Brueggemann say this, that even the story of Adam and Eve, is more, um, and this totally stares in the face of your last guest with Trumper, but um, is more of a, like, allegory, whatever, that tells the story of Israel.
1: Right, That there's yeah. this
0: continual understanding, you know, and even yeah. he, they say, like, we could translate that tree instead of good and evil, a tree of wisdom. And the right. sin is that we're taking wisdom before it's given to us. Like, we're growing up too quickly. Got it. Um, and that we are instead of journeying with God and trusting that he gives us wisdom in his timing, we're trying to just take it all for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if that's the goal, if the goal is wisdom so that mm-hmm. we can then mm-hmm. give him more fame, then I don't know what we're repenting from.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's Does so that good. Does that make sense? Well, of course it makes sense. Absolutely. Like
0: stupidity. I don't <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm not sure. And, and then if you draw in inclusivity there, And that also adds another layer because I like, and this is not a right way of thinking. I'm not saying it is, (laughs) but because I was so hurt by being a woman in the church, I have swung the other way and I go, okay, well, everybody's fine. No one has to repent until proven otherwise. And so when we talk about this issue, that's where I get confused. Oh, that's so good. It's always wise to be loving and kind. So like, that's where I, I don't necessarily understand or where I wrestle with the idea right. of repentance in the wisdom context.
1: Oh, that's so, Bonnie, dang it, that's awesome. Um, remember, repentance for, for Jews was very tangible. So when, okay. when John the Baptist announces the coming judgment of the coming Messiah, Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, the people, you know, the, the the centurions like, well, what do I do? Or not the centurion, but the Roman soldiers, like, what do I do? Don't collect more than you have to, you know, don't, don't abuse your position. Tax collector, don't collect more than you have to. Right. So there was a, there's an economic, there was absolutely an economic vision sitting behind John the Baptist called repentance. When you get to Jesus, of course, his call to repentance was repent for the kingdom of, of heaven or the kingdom of God is now here. It's now available. So repentance tied into that kingdom. And as it's going to turn out, there's a very specific idea of the kingdom that was much different from the kingdom vision of most of Israel of Jesus's day. Mm -hmm. So, so on the most superficial level, my, my one answer or one thought I would have is that repentance meant abandoning the pharisaic agenda, the agenda of the Sadducees, the agenda of the zealots, Mm -hmm. um, for the nation and instead okay. embracing Jesus' messianic agenda for the renewal of the nation. So it was a very national, okay. it was a national repentance that okay. included individuals, of course, because here's John the right. Baptist saying, come to the Jordan. So that's all on the, on the one hand. But, but secondly, what you see as I was, mm-hmm. as I was skimming through all of this is that Jesus very often, so you take the rich man. Right, that Jesus comes across. So he's Jewish, he's male, and he's wealthy. That is the very definition of blessed by God. Right, right. And he 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 is Torah observant. Right, he quotes the um, the the second tablet of the commands, and then Jesus says, "Well, if you want to be perfect, you know, you skipped one. That was the whole coveting one. So sell everything, give to the poor, and then come and follow me." And, um, and then the man obviously goes away sad because he was very wealthy and Jesus announces it's very hard, uh, for the rich to enter the kingdom. Uh, cause the, the disciples rightly say, well, who then can be saved? If this guy isn't saved, then what in the <laughs> right. world? Right.
0: <laughs> okay. So, met, yeah.
1: so on the one hand, you have instances where I think Jesus is calling the nation to repentance and what that okay. means specifically is the abandoning of the other agendas? It's not holiness through separation. It's not holiness through violence. It's not holiness through col- collaboration. Right. Um, it's holiness. It's holiness back to the renewal of the original purpose of Israel. to Begin with. I'm just throwing thoughts. I don't know that these are right. The second. The second thought then is that in some cases, what Jesus was calling people to was very, very specific. Right. So you have mm-hmm. in Luke nine where somebody says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, ah, birds, birds of the air have nests and foxes have places to lay their heads, but the son of man has no place to lay his head, right? This journey isn't gonna be the journey of glory you're thinking of. Or uh, another, you know, uh, Jesus says, come follow me. And the guy says, first, let me go bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead or come follow me. Let me say goodbye to my family. Nope. Anyone that looks back, you know, uh, has their hand at the pile and looks back as if everything came out. So in those (laughs) cases repentance very specifically was tied to some sort of I, I don't know how to even use a modern word here but some sort of stumbling block that was in their way of giving Jesus allegiance okay right
0: whatever that may be
1: whatever that was so For it's so person. it can right. yeah exactly exactly so so okay. there are, at times he names it as Mammon um at other times it you know he's emphasizing. Uh, If anyone loves his father or mother more than me, they're not worthy of me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going, whoa. And and again, I mean, in that culture where honor your mother and father was like (laughs) the foundation of Jewish culture um, to say that. Now, again, I'm not explaining what he's meaning by any of these things, but if you're taking the whole gospel... Yeah, you're like, okay, there's these parts where absolutely he's scandalously inclusive. But then there's parts when he's calling people to repent very specifically, not just in some national sense, but it's like, no, no, you actually need to turn away from this right here in order to follow me.
0: Right.
1: But then, and this is where I think the progressive vision, at least as I've heard it articulated in some places where it breaks down, Um. There is a very clear movement by Jesus, by Paul, by the early church, to move people into something they call maturity or fruit bearing. Right. And so as we've talked about on the show many, many episodes ago, the covenant love was expressed in a lot of different ways. There was a, this is from Scott McKnight. There was a commitment to somebody that was Mm -hmm. an expression of love, a commitment to be for somebody a commitment to be with somebody and then a, a commitment to help them move to maturity. It's very similar to what we do with our children. Right. Um, right. We're for them, with them, to them, but we're torting them towards maturity, whatever our right. vision of maturity has to be.
0: Right.
1: The inescape, at least to me, it's inescapable that there's massive torting in the teachings of Jesus and in Paul's epistles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I'm uncomfortable with torting anybody. And that's right. the thing that Jordan was saying. I trust the Holy Spirit right. in somebody more than I trust their interpretation of the Bible mm-hmm. in somebody. Yeah. And I'm like, I love that, except you have this whole strain of torting. And, and then you even read like the Didache from the early church. And that's nothing but torting. Right. Right. Do not have an abortion and do not, you know, do not leave your babies to be exposed. And here's how you do communion and here's how you pray the Lord's prayer and blah, 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 right. blah, 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 blah. So, so to me, I'm like, I hear you. What are we repenting from? No, that That is a wonderful question. And, and the answer, uh, maybe, I don't know. I mean, correct. You know, what do you think? It turns out to be whatever it is that keeps you from giving your allegiance to Jesus as Lord. hmm and so that's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. Um, and I'm not satisfied with that answer, but it's the best answer I got now.
0: Right.
1: Um, and and then the question of well, then what are you repenting from? Well, I think there is a um, at least. And then you know, and the Paul starts putting it in Greek categories, and now he's using patronage language, right. right? Grace saved faith. I mean, all that's patron language. So God now is your patron. Mm-hmm. And you're reorienting your life around that. So put, he'll use put off language, put on language. So to me, there's still a, uh, a baseline uh, of repentance, but, but ultimately it's so much deeper than the fundies would have it, right? Yeah. The fundies leave it at the, at the level of behavior. So did the Pharisees. Right. The fundies leave it uh, in terms of what's outward. Um, so did the fund, you know, or, or the, so did the Pharisees. And Jesus seems to, uh, because he has this weird line in, in Mark where he's rebuked so he gets rebuked for not washing his hands right and 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 he's like hey guys just so we're clear and he up I mean they, oh just so we're clear guys it's not what comes into you that defiles you okay just to be clear it's what comes out of your heart right I mean and that is a mind-blowing thing right but if so Jesus sees the sees the issue as the defilement as the issue of the human heart and he names sexual morality and theft False testimony, gossip, slander, I mean an interesting list about right. you know not not loving your neighbor
2: mm-hmm. in
1: essence and uh, and so I don't know I think there's I think there's stuff there. I don't know how to articulate it as sort of a general picture. What do you right. think? Well, what do you think I def- of that?
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely see. I think our problem is we miss out on the national repentance. I would say the Hmm. majority of people don't think of that. So when they're
1: I never heard that.
0: Yeah, when where they're reading things. So I think
1: That's absolutely true.
0: Yeah. So without that, it's very individualized. Which like you said.
1: Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I mean you were making a great point and it was spurring thoughts. Go, I'll hold it. I was gonna say
0: which in one sense is good because like you said, there's something that each of us has that holds us from allowing Jesus. To have allegiance in our lives um but on the other set on the other sense what's bad about that is that then i think we <laughs> then i think we really miscon. We, we i have trouble yep. with that then with these labels that we've put on everybody
1: come on now, kick go into that if,
0: if we put people into these big groups and we're saying mm-hmm. all these people need to repent and all these people are doing it right. wrong and all these people have done this wrong right we've actually now formed our own sense of natural repentance that I don't think is true. What the Bible says it would be natural. Absolutely.
1: Yes. So, so
0: that's a problem.
1: That's a massive problem. And that's why when like, um, like I wrote, uh, some apologies to like the gay community and to abortion providers and, and people were just like, well, who the hell are you to apologize on behalf of us? Oh, and, And you're right, I'm absolutely nobody, and I'm nothing, but on the other hand there there's a sense in which we as a tribe need to corporately lament and confess mm-hmm. um because we have so strayed from the original vision of what God has for his people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean so yes yeah. and 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 so many of the parables this is what what Tom Wright's done for me, so many of the parables that Jesus tells, I've always just heard them as individual spiritual applications for right. me as a Christian. And they're not. No, these right. are, these are parables of repentance and parables of judgment and parables of welcome. I mean, they're just so freaking subversive. And you know that they're, that they're that because of the reactions that follow them. Right. right. I was yeah. reading one this yeah. morning. The immediate reaction is dude, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law mm-hmm. conspired to kill Jesus. Right. Cause you knew the yeah. parable was against them. So you're absolutely right. There is a corporate repentance, I think that we're called to that it far transcends my little bitty like sin management issue. And the and the problem with even having a conversation like this, Bonnie, using the word repentance, is we want to make it about sin management, right? That's our mm-hmm. or belief management. Cause for us right. they're tied together.
2: Right.
1: Right. Yeah. What you what you first brought up was mm-hmm. if I don't have the right believings, right. uh, I'm in trouble. And if I'm doing so for me it's it's much more behavior Management. If I sin, then God will judge and, and he'll discipline me because he loves me, but anything bad that happens, you know, is coming my way. But all that is to say, I think that is exactly right. I think that is exactly right. I just can't get rid of the torting of the, of Jesus. Mm -hmm. In other words, in other words, it's not that he was some, of course not my, my goodness, some Southern Baptist preacher preaching hellfire and brimstone against dancing. Right. Uh, You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's, but it was so, it was so much deeper and more beautiful than that. And then the way he, and the way he did it was through his kindness and associating with people and sharing status with people. So yes, of course he was inclusive. Absolutely. He He was inclusive because everybody's an image bearer and everybody, he was inclusive of the Pharisees. Of course, of course, of course. Right. But I just think there's something beyond just him being inclusive for the sake of being inclusive. Right. I think there was – he was painting eschatological pictures and calling Israel back to its original identity. Well, so, uh, okay. Oh, go ahead. Nope, go.
0: I was going to say, okay, so this just spurred my thought when you were talking about um, having, like, a, real, a deeper agenda and calling people back to their identity. So uh, the story in Luke, right, with the woman who washes his feet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we did that. That's in Tim Chell. So we just, we finished that a few months ago, but I can't let go of it because there's, you know, you have this picture and this woman, she comes in and she like does this scandalous thing. She's a prostitute. So she, her language there is really sexual because that's all she knows. Totally. And so that's what she's doing. Um, and the Pharisees are like totally appalled by it. They're <laughs> It's just this awkward scene. But what he does there is he he calls her to repentance, but he doesn't explicitly say to not be a prostitute.
1: Exactly. He
0: calls her to repentance to say, repent of the fact that you think this is all you're worth. Does that make sense? Like he's calling her to repentance of you don't have to live in this way. You're a right. child of God. You right. can live in this way. And so the repentance isn't don't be a prostitute. That's bad. I mean, that might be there, but explicitly that's not there. And hmm. so it gives, it's more of an uh, her heart posture to herself and her heart posture towards other people and her heart posture towards God, but not necessarily. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like there isn't where we want to go, oh, all these people are doing it wrong or all these people are, you know, and so it gets dicey. Does that make mm-hmm. sense?
1: It does. And I agree with you that that it's not a... Uh, just stop being a prostitute and you're fine Right. thing. But I also wonder if that is reading therapeutic or sort of like 21st century self-worth categories into that. And, and I don't know. And I'm talking out loud because I don't know. Cause then I'm like, well, in an honor shame culture, he honors her by blessing her with Shalom because of right. her great faith. And he does that publicly. So he's restoring her to the community um, but, but I, but could you say that it would have been assumed that she would no longer engage in this or I, I, and I don't know, I really don't know. Are, are you right in saying, well, maybe this is the only way she could make money and he doesn't call her out of that, but he plants well, the seeds for its, you know, for its her kind exit. Of undoing. Yeah. I
0: don't know either. You know, in the, some of the research I did was like prostitutes were prostitutes. It was more like sex trafficking.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't do it because you were. It was good money,
0: right? So it might be this situation of this is like this is where you're in, right? But you can have a different heart posture towards it. You know, I I don't know either. That's what I gathered from it and from my research on it. Mm -hmm, In mm -hmm. which case, it that asks the question of what you and I are talking about in terms of culturally when Jesus calls us to repentance. And what at what at what point are we like? These are our limitations, our cultural limitations, or do mm-hmm. we say, are we always called to transcend? Does that make sense? Like it feels like too. In that he has, there is a sense of him understanding. This is your situation. I don't know. I'm just adding another layer in there to yeah. just keep talking.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it, it's so. <sighs> I mean,
0: it's it's just way more complicated than. Either the progressive or the conservative side exactly, and that
1: yes, now Bonnie, that is the point. Right. So here, so here is, so uh, Miroslav Volf wrote "Exclusion and Embrace" and just an incredible, incredible book about this. Well, and he's doing it. I think he's. um, Oh, I think he's Bosnian, but he's doing it. He's doing it in the context of war, like like the the Mm. civil war. You know that that engulfed. Bosnia and Serbia and Croatia. And I I don't, I don't know that history well, so I'm obviously butchering it, but, but it's a very fascinating read, but here's what he says. And I'm going to quote him. It's it's just a paragraph, but it's, it's kind of to where it's, it's neither the conservative vision of repentance or the progressive vision of repentance that Jesus seems to be getting at. It would be a mistake, he says to conclude from Jesus's compassion towards those who transgressed social boundaries, that his mission was merely to demask the mechanisms that created quote sinners by falsely ascribing sinfulness to those who were considered socially unacceptable. He was no prophet of quote inclusion for whom the chief virtue was acceptance and the cardinal virtue was intolerance. Instead, oh, excuse me. I need to say that again. He was no prophet of inclusion, quote unquote, for whom the chief virtue was acceptance and the cardinal vice was intolerance. Instead, he was a bringer of grace who not only scandalously included anyone in the fellowship of open commensality, but made the, quote, intolerant demand of repentance and the, quote, condescending offer of forgiveness. Mm. So what he's saying is. That, that perhaps inclusion and exclusion are simply not the best ways of describing the ministry of Jesus. Right. Instead, what Jesus came preaching was grace. And to the self-satisfied and the self-sufficient and the, the self-righteous, the way grace manifested itself was the reminding and the demonstrating to those people with hard hearts, that that prostitutes and tax collectors were getting in ahead of you because they were humble. And the way grace manifested to the humble was by Jesus' is willing to associate um and and rename them. This is a this is a Wolf word. He renames them as part of the um yeah. he as part of the messianic community. Right? Yeah. So, so so what he's doing, so against the conservative side, this has nothing to do with sin management, right? This is what you're objecting to in the in the Luke uh, seven story, right? Jesus is right. just looking at this woman and saying, Hey, dude, stop being a prostitute. Right. He's doing something so much more profound, which if she allows it to blossom could potentially result in her not being a prostitute, but mm-hmm. there were socioeconomic conditions that we're just simply not aware of. Right. You know, it's like Rahab. Um, right. Rahab didn't stop when the spies visited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly, I mean, and she was yeah. still she still, you know, like held up for her faith. Um, so on that sense, yes, but there seems to and I don't know if I'm even articulating this right, Bonnie, but on the progressive side, it seems to be that there there is just this simple, naive exclude uh, inclusion that simply says, however you come, I will receive you. And that part's true, no question right. about it. Uh, but then nobody, nobody has the right to order your discipleship for you uh, or uh, to call you to give up things that you like or things that you feel and reorient your life around Jesus. Um, and I know I'm not saying that right. I know my progressive friends would be howling at me to even characterize that. I, and I, I know I'm not saying that right. But but there seems to be this, uh, uh, you, you and I were talking about this kind of unwilling, not unwillingness, but a... Uh, uh, um, a, an ill at easeness with calling yeah. people to repent from, from things that scriptures would call sin. Right. Right.
0: I agree. And I think, I, I think it's just a product of the pendulum swinging. Mm. I get exactly why they would, I, I have a tend like I said before, I have a tendency to do that myself because I've been hurt by the church. And because I want to, like, I'm so angry or so hurt that I want to just, like, totally dismantle the whole thing and say, no, it's this, this, this. But to quote you what you just said, so here's a question (laughs) about that, if you want to put it in, because I really (laughs) don't know, and I would love to know what you think. When you just said, so he calls her to, uh, or he renames her and, like, professes shalom over her. Mm -hmm. If it blossoms, perhaps it could lead to something where she's not living, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you were to take that, that phrase, then mm. a conservative stance would say, um, she has to stop doing X, Y, and Z in order mm-hmm. to fully have right. the shalom. And, that, and, the and that's
1: not, no, nope. The shalom was given beforehand.
0: Right. Exactly. Now she's
1: invited to live into it.
0: And now she's so, but here's my question. What if she doesn't because of, economic socioeconomic things like doesn't that
1: doesn't matter it was given beforehand it
0: was given right so in that sense there's my question what is she repenting of then is it still just a heart posture because she's still gonna like what if she can't stop being a prostitute am i making sense
1: oh you're to- making total sense so because t- i
0: feel like then i don't because then on the other side of things i don't think anyone i see what you're saying the other the if the pendulum's going to swing way over the other side, the other side might be, but it's totally fine because she's being her or, you know, whatever.
1: Right. So the, right, middle, right, the right.
0: middle ground, you
1: be you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the middle ground would be what?
1: Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's bunny. I
0: want you to answer.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And I don't know. So I don't know if, if this Shalom is right or wrong. Was
0: given beforehand. She's asked yep. to live into it. He's yep. not going to take that away. So she's nope. not gonna be punished if she doesn't.
1: No, that's and, and but but she could miss out on aspects of it.
0: Yes, yes. Well she could that's the thing she misses out on the kingdom here and now.
1: Correct. So so and let the, me
0: and living out as Israel now.
1: Yes. So so let's take this is so good, Bonnie. Um man, so so he, here would be one way I'd begin to think it through. And I don't know. So I, I find Paul's letter to the Ephesians really instructive in terms of how he orders, right? The indicative and the imperative,
2: Mm -hmm,
1: right? The indicative in Paul's writing is it indicates what Jesus has done for us. Right. And the imperative is what we must do in response. And Paul is very careful to lead with the indicative whenever he's writing a letter that is going to have a bunch of imperative. Right. And, um, you know, so Romans, it's 11 chapters of here's the gospel and all of its craziness. And then therefore, you know, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right. In Ephesians, as you know, that there's three chapters, there's no commands in the first three chapters, except the man to, uh, to accept the command to remember. Then he says, uh, in chapter four, verse one, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Right. The word worthy, as we've talked about, isn't the word earn it, deserve it, pay it back, merit it. It's the word axios, which means live a life fitting for the calling you've received. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And, um, and, and we use, I use the example all the time of like marriage. You get married, you don't know what it is to be married, but yet right. you are married. And now the rest of your married life is determining what it is to be married. Right. And it's up to you whether or not you have a good marriage or not, but you're married. Right. Um, chill. You know, parenting is even the better example. You can't divorce that. Right. I mean, there's a right. you're 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 a parent and you're not a good one or bad one. You're not you know, you're just you are one. And now you got to figure out what to be what's already true of you. Right. Dallas Willard um, said to one of his Ph.D. students and I talked to the Ph.D. student. Have you heard me tell story? Cause I've, I've the story? Because uh, I've told the story probably maybe. a bunch. Anyway, it sounds um,
0: like a good one. So it's a, it it's
1: Dallas Willard. How can it not yeah, be a exactly. good one? <laughs> Um, but, but the story was that, um, he went to this student of his and said, um, I'm going to give you an A on the next paper you write, write a paper worthy of an A. Now the, the, here's here is how grace is transformative. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked him the, the guy, I said, so tell me about the paper. And he said, because I, I asked him, I said, could you have just sh- signed a piece of paper We'd and turn it turned it in? And the answer would have been he would have gotten an A.
0: Right.
1: Because the A was pre-decreed, right? right. Um, but, but he would have missed out on what turned out to be the best paper he ever wrote mm-hmm. because he was completely fearless. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote a paper uh, out of freedom and not out of right. fear and not out of performance but out of wherever his muse took him and it was the best paper he wrote and the writing of the paper was actually joy right so in in the situation of the the prostitute my and again from a man's perspective I don't understand and from a tw- you know t- 20 centuries later perspective I don't right. understand all the nuances but you're okay. right there's absolutely an economic thing going on here um my, my, my thinking would be that Jesus pronounces blessing over her. And, and this isn't, this isn't likely the only interaction she's had with Jesus, right? Because right. she had heard Jesus was there. And so yeah, she's, she's like, she,
0: I knew of him. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so my, my, my thought would be that in this instance, she is now invited to live in the fullness of what's already been pronounced over her. Mm-hmm. If she were unable for economic reasons to exit that profession, um, God would still have pronounced peace and shalom over her and forgiveness over her. Absolutely. Okay. But there would be a, if, if God worked it so that, that she could gain her freedom, I think God, Jesus would say, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You don't have to live that way anymore. Why? Well, it's not because you're going to hell if you do, right. but it's because mm-hmm. there's a fullness that you're missing,
0: that you're missing when out you on. do.
1: Right, mm-hmm. and that's what, and that's ultimately Jesus's appeal to the woman who has five husbands, right? In John, the Samaritan mm-hmm. woman, right. right? He's not, he's he I, I names her as somebody who's trans, he's she's a transgressor of even the Samaritan laws, right? And and yet reveals to her as a theologian, he reveals to her uh, uh, himself as Messiah, names her, um, and uh, and 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 so here here grace. The grace given beforehand is is transformative, whereas we tend to think, I tend to think, that grace can only come after right? Mm. You, you, you do the specific thing. And so the gospel, the reason it's gospel and not moralism is that's given all ahead of time to be received by faith. So Mm -hmm. would she have burned in hell if she didn't uh, repent of her? uh, No, 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 no. no. It was given ahead of time, but she's invited to live into. And so in Ephesians, what Paul does is Paul's like, dude, put off anger, Put off, put off speech that doesn't build up, put off. And then he's like, but put on these things. And he's not Mm -hmm. saying that in order to receive the blessing. He's saying that because you already have it. Right. Right. So the, so the gospel is you have an A, you've got an A. Absolutely. Live into that. Now repent. Yes. And the word for live into that is repent. Reorient Mm. your whole life Mm. around the fact that Jesus is Lord and you have an A. Right. And, and and that happens gradually. some for some people it's immediate and it's massive, but the inward stuff takes takes eons and that is why yeah. the fundamentalist culture that focuses on sin management is so damning mm-hmm. because it focuses on a snapshot of someone's behavior, not the prequel, not the sequel, not the 80 years of total life. Mm-hmm. But nope, you're gay, boom, done, written off. And that's just not how this works with Jesus. Right right? Does yes. that, does that, I mean, I, I know you've heard this from me before, but that's how I would, that's how I, I think I would understand the, the kind of calculus of grace at work in someone's life. And mm-hmm. is it possible that you could have received Jesus and, and, and received his blessing and then stay shriveled up and, and um, angry and whatever else self-righteous? Well, yeah, absolutely. Jesus, Jesus is rebuking the self-righteous all the time for that very thing. Right. that it, in your zeal you've missed me and that's the that's the humble. So what seems to be disqualifying isn't I want to exclude other people, although that's an outworking of what's disqualifying. What seems to be the only thing disqualifying is, is the idea that you don't need any help. Mm. You know that you don't need rescue right. um, and uh, that you're that you're righteous in and of yourself. Mm. And so grace, so th- what Volf is saying that I, I find interesting is he's, he, grace is leveling. But it appears like exclusion to some and mm-hmm. inclusion to others. Mm-hmm. But it's the same operative principle, Great. Right. And so, so it appears to exclude for exclusion for those who aren't humble enough to see the need or to come crawling or whatever. Right. And it's ex- and and, and, it, and it's inclusive to all those who simply have gotten over themselves right. and simply yearn for a better way.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's really Damn. good.
1: Damn.
0: I mean, and the the irony about the whole thing is that the fundamentalist side spent so much time on sin management and even belief management yep. to not go to hell. Um, yes. but they're not living out in grace, which actually becomes a yep. hell right now on earth. Absolutely. You know. And
1: and and that's and both both eternal life and um, however you understand hell, those are present and future realities. However you understand yeah. them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: no question. And and so the torting that's given in the Bible is given in the context of you're you're already a son or daughter, right? right. So you're torting your kids all the time. I'm torting my kids all the time. Mm-hmm. My mom is still torting me, and <laughs> and right. And that's and that's the nature of the love sort of relationship. But that only comes after. They know you're committed to them, you're committed to be with them, and you're for right. them to the depths of their core. Only then does torting feel like love. Right. Otherwise, according to McKnight, it feels like manipulation and coercion. Right. So when we have policies and procedures and and papers that we th- just throw at like the LGBTQ conversation, it's just death. It is death. It yeah. is not gospel. It is death. It is mm-hmm. death. Right. Um, And, and, uh, but if, but if somebody said, Hey, what, what must I do to be saved? The, the, the answer of Jesus and the answer of the early church is repent and believe. Mm -hmm. And so what am I repenting from? Well, it's going to be individual in the sense that whatever it is that would keep you Um, feeling like you didn't need this or feeling self-satisfied or numbing your heart or whatever it is. But there would also be another, another thing where you're brought into this community that is so poorly reflected Jesus that, that, you know, there's, there's an implicit commission now to carry his name well, Mm -hmm. um, in a community that's just done so poorly. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
1: Man, Bonnie, this was good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's cap asking. it though. It's an hour, but you, but Uh-oh. see, but Bonnie, you just asked such great, insightful questions, and 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 uh, wow, that was really, really good.
0: Well, I appreciate you holding a safe space, like you said in your last um, episode. There is sometimes it feels like there isn't a space for me to ask the questions. Do you know what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah, and I don't know the, so, I don't know the, and there's no lightning.
0: That no one got struck. <laughs>
1: you're still so you're was- still here you're still here i'm still here. here
0: yeah no i appreciate yeah. that a lot I, no bonnie to re-listen to this to chew on it because i think what you said was really good about exclusion and inclusion that it looks it's the same vehicle of grace um it just feels different to certain people
1: and 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 i got i get this from the eastern orthodox idea of hell there mm-hmm. there now i i don't you know I've heard good arguments for annihilation I've, I, I mean, whatever, but, but there, I've, I, I don't remember even who it was, but it was, um, hell is what the love of God feels like to the people who don't want it. Mm. Now, again, I don't know. I have, you know, that sounds nice and hallmarky. But man, there seems to be something to that, particularly right. when you look at the the judgment parables of Jesus. There's a boomerang thing, right? Whatever, because even in the Sermon on the Mount, he's like, "Whatever measure you use, it will be used on you." I know. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. What's that mean? All right. Anyway, we Tim. Talk
0: about hell next
1: time. Oh my goodness, Tim! Just any any easy, closing easy
0: words?
2: words. <laughs> so, I wrote down. Uh, I I think a lot of people still have a hard time defining repentance. A lot of times when you're in conversation with people, repentance comes across as confession. Yep. And so the idea, you know, repentance got tossed around a lot today, but I think you did a good job at the end there. You kind of tied it up. You gave a great definition of it a long time ago about like the physical turning around and stuff. And I think that, so everything that you're talking about today with repentance and then the center focus stuff from the last couple episodes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to keep our, our, because repentance, going along. Well, yeah, repentance is just turning towards Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, and then
2: you did a good job of tying that up and, and explaining that. I was just trying to write down notes as you guys went along because you guys are batting around big ideas.
1: <laughs> oh, Bonnie, this is so fun. It's um, fun. So, Vox, um, we love you. We bless you. Thank you for being a tribe for the tribalists. Mm. Thank you for being so gracious to me. Um, when I was feeling very vulnerable, um, thank you for, um, being willing to live into mystery, tension, paradox, because I, I think that is what faith turns out, uh, to be driven by. Um, and, uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm so proud. I'm just so proud to be a part of this and I'm, I'm grateful, um, that we have technology to do it. So Bonnie and Tim, thank you. You guys are, you guys rock. And to uh, to our sweet listening community, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace in these days. Till next time, friends. Thank you.